Hello? Oh, there you are. <laughs> Hi. How are you? Everybody good? Who had a good week? None of you. Okay, this is going to be fun. Who had a not good week? It's okay to say. Adrian had a not good week. No, Adrian had an awesome week because he is awesome. Uh, yes, welcome to church this morning. Um, if you're a teenager sitting here and you... Uh, Thought you had a youth class this morning. You don't because your teacher is right here. So if you're downstairs wandering around looking for your class, just come back upstairs. We'll start next week again. Um, this week we are going through Second Peter. Well, not the whole thing, just a portion of it. It's an amazing letter and there's a lot there. But we're going to talk about a, a couple things this morning. And um, <clears throat> I love Peter. The first time I heard about this guy... Um, I related to him, foot in mouth, says things without thinking, does things impulsively, um, tends to react emotionally and not logically, Um, but he was also willing to try. The risk factor for Peter was there, right? He stepped out of the boat, he walked on the water. So I love this guy, and now he's at a point in his life where he has given his whole life to Jesus. Literally, he's in prison, they believe, for his faith. For teaching. And he's on death row. Um, God, has made it, God has made it obvious to him that he is not going to get out and he is actually going to die. And so he is writing a letter to believers in Asia Minor, basically saying, this is it, guys. And I'm going to leave you with something that I want you to remember. So, <clears throat> you ever had one of those? Someone leave you with last words before they left? No? You're just hoping that you're in the will? My grandpa, when he passed away, I was about 16, and um, I remember going to the hospital and seeing him there, and he wanted two things. That was it, two things. First thing he said was, Tim, what's your testimony? He wanted to know that I was actually saved. And so I got to tell my testimony, and then halfway through, he just jumped in and interrupted me. He wasn't listening anyways. Jumped in and said, Tim, sorry. Um, he said, uh, he took my hand, he said, Tim, never lose your trust in the Lord. Never. There's something, I think, about knowing that your life is going to come to an end. And you want to say something that is the most important thing you could say. Something that summarizes your whole life, one thing. My grandpa passed that on to me. Peter is passing this on to his believers. What will you say it's your time, okay? Here we go. Where are we? Peter's goal. Oh, that's my grandpa right there on the right. In case you were wondering. Peter's goal was to refresh the, the believer's memory before he was killed. His goal was to give reminders to stimulate them to wholesome thinking and to send words that will last with the believers after his departure. And if you read into chapter 2, he's giving them a warning of people to stay away from. And so we're going to read verses 3 to 8 this morning. Here we go. Are you ready? Three of you. Awesome. His divine power has given us everything, everything we need for a godly life through our knowledge of him who called us. I love that. If you're feeling hopeless this morning, if you're feeling discouraged this morning, just take this verse in again. 
His divine power has given you and me everything we need for a godly life. Through what? Through our knowledge of him who called us by his own glory and goodness. Through these, he has given us his very great and precious promises. So that through them, you may participate in what? The divine nature. Participate in the divine nature. Participate in a life with a creator who made this world, who made you. Participate in the divine nature. Having escaped the corruption in the world caused by evil desires. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control and to self-control perseverance and to perseverance godliness and to godliness Mutual affection, and to mutual affection, love. Say it with me, love. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus Christ. Whoever does not have them is nearsighted and blind, forgetting that they have been cleansed from their past sin. God, this morning as we open your word, I pray that you'd speak. I pray that you do what you do best. Open our hearts, God. Know our anxious thoughts this morning. See where there's offensive ways in us and lead us in the way everlasting. God, let your word guide us like a GPS to truth. Amen. You ever had someone give you a good offer, like a, like a job offer or a babysitter offer or like, hey, I'll cut your grass for you or I don't know, something? You ever had someone give you a good offer? Well, when I got my first cell phone and my first credit card, yeah, dangerous, right? Somebody called me up. I was at work at a Christian bookstore. It was so busy. Not. Somebody called me up on my phone. I was like, ooh, a phone call. I'll take it. I took a break, answered my phone. You know what happened? I won a cruise. You had one of those phone calls before? Would you like one of those phone calls? Like, I'll call you just to make you feel better. I won a cruise, guys, and all I needed to give her, this sweet, convincing, genuine lady on the other line, all I needed to give her was my credit card number. And I was like, well, it just so happens I got my new one right here. I think it was from standing in the bookstore all morning. I was in, like, a state of, like... Uh, somebody talk to me. So I gave her my credit card number, you know, I think just to have a conversation. <laughs> yeah. Somewhere at the end of this conversation, 10 minutes later, my judgment resurfaced. It was like, Tim, what are you doing? And so I managed to get out of this and say, no, I'm not interested. Um, thanks for the conversation. Actually, it was more like, snap. You know what I'm talking about, right? It was a good offer, but it was not. It was not the offer that was good for me. It was good for her or whoever the company, company was on the other line. Some of us, I think, picture God and following Christ as an offer like that. And, and Peter is writing to, his, to believers to remind them that this 
is an offer that God has for you, and it's incredible. Oh, you might have had an offer like this. You guys know the movie? No, you don't, don't you? Christians don't watch that stuff, do we? <laughs> Say it with me. Ready? I'm going to make you an offer. Come on. Turn to your neighbor and say, get with it. I'm going to make you an offer that you can't refuse. It's something like that. I won't ask who's seen the movie, okay? I know you're all good Christians. Um, <clears throat> God's offer for us is not a Godfather offer. It is not a cruise, give me your credit card offer. God is not out to rip you off. God is not out to blind you or deceive you. God has an offer for you. And Peter is reminding his readers of this offer. It is an offer in verse 3 for a godly life. His divine power has given us everything we need for a godly life. Everything we need to participate in the divine nature, verse 4. Everything we need to escape the corruption of the world. That's God's offer for you. That sounds pretty good, eh? Sounds all right. His offer is essentially to you and to me to become a new person, to have a new identity. I love that song that we sang this morning, and we're going we're gonna to finish with it at the end here <clears throat> in about an hour and a half. His offer to you and to me is a new identity, to be a new person, to escape the corruption of our flesh, of the world, to live a godly life. And how is this possible? How is this possible when we are so lazy sometimes? How is this possible when we are so prone to wander, when we are so prone to sin, when we're so prone to be distracted and discouraged, to forget? How is this possible? I love this because Peter reminds his readers that God doesn't just say, here's an offer, good luck, hope it works out for you. Peter reminded his, his readers that God has a huge part to play in this, in this offer, right? And it sounds so much like Philippians chapter 2, verse 13. It is God who works in you, right? It is God who works in you. So here we go. God is powerfully working to help you get there. Verse 3. God is powerfully at work. His divine power has given you everything you need to help you get there. Through his very great and precious promises. Can you think of one or two promises from the scriptures, from the Bible? I think uh, many of us have these life verses that we cling to, right? One or two verses that when we're in a jam, we just, it comes to our mind right away. One of, them, one, one of those for me is lean not on your own understanding in all your ways. Acknowledge him and he will make your path straight. This is a promise that I have to remind myself of. He will make your path straight. God knows. Here's some other ones that I love, okay? I will never leave you or forsake you, God says. Hebrews 13. I'm the author and the perfecter of your faith. Hebrews 12. I know the number of hairs on your head. For some of you, that's pretty easy. For some others of us, it's... God says, I want to lavish my love on you, my kids. 1 John chapter 3. And I love this one. I will complete the good work that I began in you, Philippians 1, verse 6. This is hopeful stuff here, guys. And Peter is reminding his believers, as the last thing that he's saying to them before he's executed for his faith, God is with you. God is going to help you. His power will help you follow him. 
participate in the divine nature. Life will not just be boring, material, go to work every day, get some money, retire, die. Life is so much better and greater with God than that. And Peter's reminding his followers, the believers in Asia Minor, of this. Okay? 2 Corinthians 3 verse 18 says this, And the Lord, who is the Spirit, makes us more and more like him as we are changed into his glorious image. Makes us more and more into his image, right? Over time, God transforms. You guys know what this is? It's a camera. It's a Polaroid camera, right? And it makes these things right here. Like these two good-looking dudes. You can't see what it is, but it's me and Adrian. This is my test run. So you would take the picture, and then they would tell you to do what with it, right? I don't know if it's actually, but that's what they said to do. So the thing I love about the Polaroid is that it's instant, mostly. You get something physical right away. Um, The thing I love about this, though, is that uh, when you get a physical picture, I don't know about you, but how many hundreds of photos do you have on your phone? And how many times do you delete them? Right? There's something about a physical. Anyways, here's, here's the image, okay? God is developing you and me into his image. You take a picture with this camera. Who wants their picture taken? Who put their makeup on? Sit on. Okay, here you go, sir. Ready? Smile. I'm a professional. Yes. The guy in the back was picking his nose. It doesn't matter. That's for you. Apparently. Anybody else? Anybody else? Let's go back here. Look at this Brazilian family. Come on, guys. Give me a smile. You look so good. Pedro, you showered today. There you go. There's proof. Okay? Anybody else back here? I have three left. Three pictures left? Anybody? Yes. I see that hand. Smile. There we go. Boom. It'll take a minute. The thing I love about this is that uh, it is developing. And it reminds me that you and I are a work in progress. Some of us need some more progress and some more work. But we are a work in progress. And God is developing you. It's dangerous. And God is developing me into his image. And it takes time. And the chemicals in here have to mix and be exposed with the light. And then... The beautiful picture forms, right? You're made in God's image. God uses the things in life that you go through with his light to develop you into what he made you to be, okay? God is doing his part. God is doing his part, okay? Here's the other part of the the puzzle here. How is this possible? We have a part to play too, okay? Verse 3 says this, through our knowledge of him who called us. Through our knowledge of him who called us. You know, I know this happens in the world today, but I just can't get my mind around it. Arranged marriages. Okay? I have a friend, and this, this worked for him. Never met his wife. Okay? They were from India. And basically the parents set them up. The day he went to visit her was the day he proposed to the dad, I want to marry your daughter. 
I don't know how this happens, but it works sometimes. When me and Leah were getting to know each other, okay, uh, we dated for three years. We were like 12. So like so in love. Not really. She was, it doesn't matter. We weren't 12. We were, okay, if you really want to know, I was 22 when I got married and she was 19, okay? Not the rule, all right, young people? You turn 19, you should not be getting, okay, it can happen, but you know what I'm trying to say here, okay? When you're getting to know somebody, there's communication back and forth. There's time spent with them, right? There's gestures of kindness. There's money spent. There's, there's things sacrificed to get to know this person. Right after high school, I left, um, I left home at 19 and moved to Vancouver, downtown Vancouver with my buddy, and did this thing called Youth with a Mission. It was a little wild, but mostly beneficial. And uh, we traveled to Morocco and Scotland doing youth missions, um, telling people about Jesus, um, seeing the world. And me and Leah were dating at this time, and she wrote me these letters. I wish I would have brought them, but I forgot. She put them in, like, obnoxiously colored envelopes. She would bedazzle them with these sticker gem things. She would write, to Sir Timothy Cummins. Just so that when the people at the base got the letter, they'd bring it out in front of everybody and say, is there a Sir Timothy Cummins here? It was slightly embarrassing, right? She would put her perfume on it. and I wouldn't just read it one time, you know? I would read it over and over and over and over again and keep it under my pillow at night and then read it again when I woke up. Kind of like what some of you do with your phones, Right? Getting to know God is an informed relationship. It's not just knowing about him. It's not just knowing all the facts of the Bible, head knowledge. It's an informed relationship. And our part is to know him, okay, to spend time with him. Verse 5 says this, make every effort to add to your faith. Make effort? You mean I have to try? I can't just show up on Sundays and sit here with my mom and dad? And like, check that box, Christian, love God, God will bless me with housewife and job. No, that's not the way it goes. That is not the way it goes, right? God might ask you to give up those things, actually. Um, Make every effort to add to your faith, and verse 8 says this, in increasing measure. In increasing measure. Uh, Do we have any volleyball players in the house? Where's my people? We're a humble crowd. I play volleyball, but I don't tell anybody. Um, so when I was in high school, you, you may not believe this, but I was actually really, really insecure, okay? So I got into high school, and I was like, I'm going to do whatever I can to not draw attention to myself. God has a really sick sense of humor because now I am doing this. Can't figure it out. So I got into high school, and I was like, I'm just going to sit in the hallway with the cool kids, and spend time developing my social status. And six months into it, I was like, this is pointless and stupid, and I'm wasting my time. And then my coach, who was my grade nine uh, gym teacher, came up to me. He said, Tim, we have a volleyball team. I was like, yeah, I know. I'm not joining it. He said, Tim, if you, if you join this team, if you show up, I promise you, I will make you 
into an amazing athlete. Why could he say this? This is him on the left, Barry Mutri. He played for Team Canada. He had no kids. His life was teaching and coaching. And so he took nine of us. I agreed. He took nine of us. Bunch of skinny country rednecks. Half of us did farm chores in the morning before we went to school and smelled like it. He took us. He gave us the gear. You know what gear you're supposed to use for volleyball? Anybody? Well, I have some right here if if you want to know. You need the right shoe, right? You can't just wear like cheap Costco sandals. You need the right shoe with the right grip, okay? You got to have, well, I had to have knee pads because my knees are so knobby, but knee pads, right? You got to have the gear to make yourself look cooler than you really are. Go Canada! This is actually my stuff, so don't touch it. It smells bad. And you got to have the ball. And so he suited us up. He gave us the gear. He said, show up, and we will do this. So I showed up on my first day, and he, he puts us in a line over here. He's like, here's the basic formation of a bump pass, right? You put your arms, and you're going to pass it like this. I was like, okay, I can do that. It's easy enough. So he winds up and crack, cracks the ball at me. I think I flinched or something or closed my eyes. The next thing I knew, the ball was hitting me in the face. And I was like, you know what? I'm done with this. I'm going to go back to my better life in the hallway. And then I realized that the hallway was really just terrible. So I stayed. And he worked on basic skills with us. He worked on volleying. He worked on bump passing. He worked on how to, how to do a roll shot against a wall. And for the first, like, five practices, it was just us with a ball and the wall. I was like, this is not volleyball. We are not serving to each other. We're not spiking the ball. But he said, we have to develop the basics first. And we had to do our part. We had to show up. We had to dress up. And when he told us, we had to shut up. Because we were kind of loud. Um, then we moved on from basics to, uh, to defensive training, to team training, to communication skills, to knowing your position, to having a defined position. And if you know anything about, about volleyball, the guy in the middle is usually the tall, skinny guy. So that was me. Okay, they put me in the middle position. And he did these things over and over with us. He opened up the gym at lunch hour and said, if you want to practice, if you want to excel at your sport, you'll show up every day at lunch for 20 minutes and work on your basic skills. And so we did, sometimes. We showed up. And I'm telling you, this team went on not just to be the best single-A school in our county, not just the best single-A school in our region, but we went on to be champs at All Ontario because, because we believed what the coach said. We believed his offer that he could make us into, the nine of us, into champs. Turn to your neighbor and say, you're a champ. God's part, he's working in you. His divine power is working. Our part, we show up, okay? <clears throat> How do we do this? Where's my next page here? Verse 5. 
it says this. For this very reason, make every effort to add to your faith goodness and to goodness knowledge and to knowledge self-control and to self-control perseverance and to perseverance godliness. Let's, let's unpack some of these a little bit, okay? The sequence of these things is not as important as the fact that these things exist. So as is common for many of the authors in the Bible, they give lists of Christian virtues that should be present in our life, okay? Something for us to compare ourselves to and to, you know, to know how to improve. What do I need to work on? Here's the base of it all, faith. Faith. Jesus said it. I believe it. It doesn't make sense to me all the time. But faith is the foundation. Okay? It's the starting point. The next one is goodness. I love this. Because every day you and I have opportunities to practice goodness or to not practice goodness. For example, when you're driving on the highway and that nice person cuts you off, you have the choice to chase them down, to let them know your mind, to wave some fingers at them. You, know, you don't do that, though, do you? Well, you don't do that. I know. I know you. Right? We have opportunities every day to be good or not at work, at home, with our neighbors. Every day, probably 20, 30, 40 opportunities to choose to do good, practical good, or not. Okay? It's something that we can work on. It's a basic skill. Right? Knowledge. Knowledge means this in this passage. Discerning God's will and living accordingly. It's not just head knowledge. It's not just knowing about God. It's not just being able to quote the Bible versions. It's not just knowing, you know, what Jesus ate when he was 12 years old or be able to answer all the questions. It's got to be knowledge that changes how we make our decisions, right? Not just head knowledge. Next one is this, and uh, we could probably all use a little more of this, self-control. Give me a wave if you would like to have a little more self-control in your life. Just a little bit, okay? I've learned that my wife doesn't appreciate it when I bring ice cream home. Don't tell her I said this, okay? She's in Toronto right now, so I can say it. I've learned that she doesn't appreciate it <laughs> because at the end of the day, after we put the kids to bed, our judgment is severely impaired. I don't know if you have experienced this in life, and if we have the slightest craving for something, you know it's coming out. Right? And forget getting a bowl. Just grab the tub and a spoon and jump in. Anybody else? You don't want to incriminate yourself? Yeah, that's right. Come on. Self-control, again, we have opportunity every day to practice it. And what he means here is not so much as, no, stop, don't do that. It's bad. No, stop, don't do that. It's bad. It's focusing on giving God control. So picture a remote control in your life. Who's holding it? Are you holding it? Or is God holding it? So he means submit that control to God. Learn how to do that. To control, self-control, he says, add perseverance. Don't give up. Just like the uh, famous scene in that classic movie. What's that one about the fish? Dory? Finding Nemo. Thank you. Just keep swimming. Right? Just keep going. Perseverance. Jesus, for the joy set before him, endured the cross. To perseverance, add godliness. And, and he means here, reverence for God and respect for others. This is, 
This is another tough one, especially when the person is not respectable. But these are the characteristics that define a godly life, right? These are the fruit that should come out of the tree. When we see these things in our life, we know that God is working in us because left to our own devices, these fruit would be in short supply. You know what I'm talking about? To godliness, he says, add mutual affection or family love. I think of that verse that says, how can you say I love God but hate my brother or hate my sister? That person is a liar. I would be a liar, right? Brotherly brotherly love has to be worked at. It has to. We have to guard, even among ourselves, okay? We have to guard uh, from gossip. We have to guard our unity from prejudice. We have to guard our unity from shallow, superficial relationships. And here's the best thing about all of these characteristics. Just like my coach, who was there to evaluate, to provide feedback, right, to give us rewards when we went well, and to punish us with random running exercises that were just crazy when we didn't do well, just like I needed that coach in my life, I needed other players in my life, you this morning cannot, I'm convinced, cannot follow Christ by yourself. You can't. And some of, us, some of us have been trying to do it by ourselves for a long time, refusing to get help from people, refusing to ask, refusing to admit weakness, refusing to show who we really are because we think that we're terrible, right? Refusing to get counseling, refusing to talk to a pastor, refusing to encourage each other. We cannot do it on our own. We need each other. That's why we have the body of Christ with each other, right? So this is our part. Add to your faith. Make every effort to add to your faith. And the last one that he says is love. Agape love. Sacrificial love. Benefiting the other person kind of love. Like what Jesus did for us while we were still sinners. So God has an offer. Peter's reminding his people. God has an offer for you to live a godly life. He's made it all available. His divine power has given you everything you need to live a godly life. To participate in the divine nature. Don't, don't tell me some of your neighbors don't want the divine nature. Right? Have you been around the corner on St. Catherine Street? You've seen the, uh, the psychic shop there? Like people are longing all around you to know that there is a God. To know that life is more than just material. People are longing to see that in your life. So if you are participating in the divine nature, if you are escaping the corruption of the world, people are going to notice. They're going to find the love of God through your life. And when you see that happening, man, it just adds fuel to your fire. The result of doing our part, right, and the result of God working in us is this, verses 8 and 9. For if you possess these qualities in increasing measure, they will keep you from being, say it with me, ineffective. It's not out there. That's okay. They will keep you from being ineffective and unproductive in your knowledge of the Lord Jesus. Or in the positive, they will make you productive and effective as you follow Jesus. Right? You won't be spiritually blind and you won't forget who you are. You won't forget who you are. 
You see, what happens when we show up every Sunday and, and we're not adding to our faith, like Peter says, when we're not adding to our faith and we're not showing up, we're not exercising our faith, what happens is we get spiritual amnesia and we forget who we are. We forget the potential that you have been created with, right? We forget that, that life is spiritual. We stop believing that God will provide or that God knows best. We start focusing on, I got to make money, I got to have a job, I got to be in a relationship, I got to have this status, right? And life becomes physical, material, temporary. This is what happens when we, when we forget. But Peter's reminding his followers, he says, I don't want you to forget, I'm about to die here, I don't want you to forget God's offer for you, that he's given you everything, and then as you do your part, Amazing things will happen through your life. I'm going to invite the band to come back up. And we're going to sing that song again, Who You Say I Am. And as we do, I want you to really think about who God says that you are. And the offer that he's extending to you this morning to live a godly life. To participate in the divine nature. And to escape corruption in the world. Would you stand up with me? Please. God, this morning, we, we're being honest, God. We each have forgotten at times who we are. We each have experienced blindness and nearsightedness. And I thank you for this, uh, that you preserved these words that Peter penned so many years ago to remind us of your offer to remind us that you are working in us and you are developing us over time, just like a, a picture. But that we have a part to play in it also, with each other, each doing our part. So God, this morning, for those of us who have said yes to you, that we believe and our faith is there, God, would you help us, Holy Spirit, would you help us to continue to add to our faith because of who we are in you? Would you help us to continue to grow, to experience your goodness, to see your power, your divine nature show up in us and through us so that we can say, that's got to be God. And for those of us here this morning who have not decided to follow you, who have not decided to, to believe who you say you are, Jesus, and who history says you are, Today is the day. Today is the day to follow. Today is the day to say yes to God. And know that when you say yes to him, that he will help you. Thank you, God, for that. So speak to our hearts this morning. We love you.